is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 56, operating on December 21st, 2020. This is Doug. I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. How are you doing, Doug? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I don't know if you can hear. My daughter is crying in the background. I can. Just got home late last night for my trip, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. Busy, busy work week for both of us. It, it yeah, feels really. like things are just kind of ramping up into the holidays. So hopefully, hopefully we both get a little bit of downtime over the holidays. Oh, yeah, it's really busy. And for those of you that are listening, it is now 10 o'clock. What is it? Just past 10 o'clock on the East Coast. And for Doug, who's like an old man who goes to sleep early, it's really late for you because normally you go <laughs> yeah. to sleep at eight o'clock, right? Yeah, With the kids. yeah. Yeah, so, so we're, we're, we'll finish recording this. And then uh, a couple of our friends asked if we'll still have an on-time departure. So when we're done, I'm going to edit it and it'll be out on the on the, <laughs> the morning on the 21st, which is when you guys will listen to this. Before this episode, Doug and, have our, Doug and I have already talked about my work week and it's been crazy. So for all you airline employees out there, it's been a rough week. If you're working in a hub for any airline, I don't care what it is, you'll you will um, you'll agree with me because we have less people, but the flights are full now because we're getting people home for their holidays. And it's rough, but it's a good feeling. You know, you take a few delays because you don't want to leave people behind. So then the on-time performance dips. So you feel bad about that. But, you know, when I was driving home today, I was thinking we got thousands of people home for the holidays. Million. In their bags. A million. Yeah. Not 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 your airline, but I, I looked this morning. So today is Sunday. They released yesterday's numbers, Saturday's numbers. Saturday is typically one of the lowest days of the week. And yesterday was the second highest in the COVID era. Oh, wow. Which so I was, today is going to be higher probably. Yeah, today probably Sunday. will. And at, at first I was surprised about it. And I was flying yesterday and I thought back to what I saw in, in the airports and on the planes. And yeah, it, it was it was really busy. And I didn't even notice it at the time because flying back in May and then throughout the, the summer and the fall, every time that I've flown, it just seems like it's a little bit busier. Nothing too substantial, mm-hmm. but just a little, little bits here and there. Yeah, I think people are getting more comfortable being wearing the masks and being safe and traveling. Um, I want to hear about your uh, trip real quick. But I was thinking about something we used to say, or we say in the airlines, you know, they say, you know, you work for an airline, when it's dark outside when you're going to work, and it's dark outside when you're going home. (laughs) And that was my week. It was like, you know, working two shifts almost. So so uh, God bless all you guys that are working for the airlines. And I'm talking about pilots, flight attendants, mechanics. We're all earning our pay this week. And then January 4th, the schedule goes down again, and it'll be back, you know, waiting for passengers to come back after yeah. COVID. So. Yeah, J- January, February should be a kind of a downtime before you get to spring break travel and, and hopefully vaccine, which will then lead to summer travel. And we'll see what next year brings. All right. Do you want to tell us about your fabulous yeah, it was. Uh, Quick yeah, trip. it was it was it kind of came up last minute, just a real quick two day, three day work trip to the East Coast. So it was into Philly. Like you drew, I was I was on an MD ninety five, like like I you know, were. We're really taking ago. advantage. Yeah. So my my trip, I flew Sacramento, Atlanta, Philly, and then the same thing, uh, just in reverse on the way home. Two seven fifty sevens, two hundreds, 
an MD95 and a 20 plus year old 737-800. Mm-hmm. Both of the 757s, one of them was almost 30 years old. The other wow. one was 21 years old. The MD95 was 20 some years old. Seven thirty. But the MD95 was the youngest. It was, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, which which is crazy. So the average age of the airplanes that was on was somewhere in the mid 20s. We've talked about this, how airlines have been taking the old cabins out, putting new cabins in. It felt brand new. Every single airplane I was on felt absolutely brand new. Well, that 757, the cabin looked like it could be new. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. they put in new sidewalls because it's new, new sidewalls. Yeah. So if you think about it, a 757 used to have the rectangular windows kind of squared mm-hmm. off and the new sidewalls make it look like the new 737 <laughs> with, with, with kind of with the, the round. Yeah. The, the round. Yeah. You know, I wish they wouldn't do that because when you do that, you end up cutting off the edges of the square. So you get less window yeah. area to look through. You. That is true. Maybe a an inch or two, like a square inch or two. I like it because it, it makes it look it makes it look new. You yeah. know, all, all the old airplanes had that old rectangular, and and the newer ones like the seven eight, the A three fifty, the A three eighty, all those have more of the oval shaped windows. And again, it's it's about the passengers. They step on that twenty nine year old airplane, and they think that it's think that it's brand new yeah but i'll I'll tell you that the flight so taking off out of i'm not going to talk too much about the md95 because you covered that a couple weeks ago that 757 taking off out of atlanta last night Mm -hmm. we were relatively light the plane wasn't terribly full it was only a five five and a half hour flight probably not with a lot of cargo and the 757 is is very much an overpowered airplane to begin with we launched Hmm. out of atlanta and we mm-hmm. we climbed up to forty thousand feet immediately for for the flight westbound. Yeah, and that so airplane, power. there's just so much power, and you could just feel that. But it was yeah, it was awesome. Well, hopefully the seven nine seven will replicate that airplane. We'll see. You know, there's yeah. some artist impressions, which looks like a seven fifty seven, but it's kind of the nose is shaped like a seven eight seven, and then you have the tail that looks like a seven eight seven. So yeah, yeah. There's hope. So just um, j- just real quickly, I, I want to cover mainly the trip home yesterday. Went to the Centurion Lounge in Philly, and I had been there a, a month ago when, when I mm-hmm. last time I was out there for work. A month ago, it was normal. The buffet was open. They they would serve you, kind of like we've talked about. The bar was open, etc. So I got to I got to the airport about two hours, two and a half hours before my flight. Went to the lounge, and I checked in. They told me that it was seating only, no food service no drink service. And they told me I couldn't even drink my own water bottle. They said masks have to be on 100% of the time. You can't take it down, even drink your own water bottle. So they should just close it because all that's why are they open people? No one was in there. So I, I, and I left, I turned around I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to sit in here. I'll just go find some food somewhere else an empty part of the airport. So I got some food to go, got a beer to go. And I just went and sat at an empty gate area. Yeah. So that was a waste of time going in there. Total waste of time. But then I get to Atlanta and I went to one of the sky clubs and it was, I, I don't want to say it was packed because that makes, that gives a bad impression, but it was pretty full. It, it was, it was relatively full. They had the sandwiches, the, the normal service COVID era that we've talked What's about. What's up with the macaroni and cheese bar? So Tom Polanyi talked about a Mac and cheese bar. Where is this? He said it was at JFK. I, I, st- <laughs> I still haven't. Yeah. I, I still haven't experienced that in the COVID era pre COVID. Yeah, definitely. But I, I know I, I sent you guys the the photo yesterday. 
I really wanted to check out the COVID screening at Atlanta. We've talked yes. about this. We've we've talked about the the immediate test results that you can get screened on flights to Rome and to Amsterdam. So I went to the international terminal and I walked by it. It looked like a, a pretty decent system that they had. So they had people in line, six feet spaced apart, and they yeah. had two tables on either side of the main walkway that people were lined up behind right close to the Amsterdam and the Rome gates. And people were in line doing their tests and then getting their results immediately. So 15, 20, 30 minutes later. So they would test the people. They would go sit behind the table waiting for the results. And then the gates were just beyond it. And so yeah. the people who had already been tested and cleared and screened were then sitting at, at the, the gate waiting to go. So that, that was that was neat to see. It was It was interesting to see that. Well, it sounds very organized. So for us to just go back and explain this, if you haven't listened to that episode. So Delta has worked out with uh, governments on both sides of the Atlantic to have this procedure where people show their COVID test. They have a rapid test before they get on the plane in Atlanta. And then again, when they get to Rome mm -hmm. or Amsterdam. Yep. So we'll see how it works out because that could be the model until the vaccine kicks in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was interesting to see it in person as I walked by. And then yeah. my my trip out there, the reason I didn't talk about that is that that'll be part of our ops topic in a way, because I, I flew yeah. out on Wednesday, which was what what, what was the name of the winter storm? I, oh, I can't Gale. Gale. Yeah. Winter yeah. storm Gale. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit because I got okay. kind of hung, hung up in it. <laughs> we, we can talk about that a little bit later. Before we get to the news, there's some other news, which is like loosely related to our aviation topics. So. Have you heard of this grand, I'm sorry, great conjunction? No. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, Ryan at maintenance told me about this yesterday, and I thought it was so cool. So the, a great conjunction is when two planets align. So when you're looking at them in the sky, they're aligned. Yes. So Jupiter and Saturn, when you're listening to this show tomorrow, Monday, that's the day. So when the sun goes down, look up in the sky. Look in the southwest if you're in the northern hemisphere. You're going to see Jupiter and Saturn align. This has not happened in 400 years, Doug. So the astrologers are going crazy. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> so Ryan's wife is not an astrologer, but I get all my astrology information from her now because it's always positive. <laughs> yeah. So what she's saying, Doug, is that when this happens, the energy in the world is neutralized. So that whatever you want, you just wish for, and there's no resistance. Hmm. So we got to wish that we're going to fly on Singapore Airlines 21, flight 21 from Kennedy to Singapore. And then Next I'll year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I saw that. I saw that from the air last night because we were flying westbound with, with the, the stars. So it was up a little bit longer and it was awesome to see, especially from yeah. the air. Yeah. No, yeah. that's, that's cool. So we'll see. Well, I, um, I know I know you're supposed to lead with the news, but we, mm -hmm. we have late late breaking. So I'm yes, gonna go I'm ahead. gonna slide slide that in before we get to what we had already planned. It looks like Congress is going to approve the next round of coronavirus aid. Yeah, just Poss last possibly, hours. yeah, possibly tonight. And that includes fifteen billion dollars to the airlines. Details are still a little bit sketchy, but it looks like it'll be retroactive to one December. It'll run through the end of March. So it's four months direct to the employees, to the payrolls. This is where we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion. 
Yeah. They're going to have to recall, I, I say have to, and, and we'll talk about that, recall all of the furloughed employees. And I do this in air quotes, recall. Yeah. Some of these employees are already driving for Amazon. They're, they're doing other jobs. So my question is, will they, will they accept that recall? Mm-hmm. Not saying oh, that will the people not, accept the recall. Yeah, I would say, saying, I would say more, most of them will. Most of them will. In this economy, yeah, most of them will. Yeah. If, if only for the healthcare. Yeah. Oh, uh, that, yeah. Yeah. My question is, will the airlines need them because the schedule is so low? Maybe, you know, some airlines can be forward looking and say, hey, let's bring them back because with the vaccines, we have a feeling that after March, we're just going to start rising again. So that'd be a good thing. Yeah. No, I, 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 I hope that that is why they were lobbying for this and, and why they got it passed because schedules are already set for January. So by, by this point, by the time you get them back on the books, as it were, it's probably going to be February. And that's only two months. And and a lot of the flight attendants and other people who were furloughed, pilots at American and, and some of the other airlines that furloughed the pilots, those people, it, they're going to have to go back through some sort of retraining because they've been out of the airplane long enough. So it's, right. it's not an easy or a quick thing to get them spun back up. So I really do hope that this is more of a forward looking thing. Like mm-hmm. this is the way that we can get them back, get them ready to go, so that's that when strange. things, yep. yeah, so that when things mm-hmm. do start to like recover, it. come the end of March, March thirty first, when this this next round of CARES funding runs out, that they don't they don't have to take that time to spin them up, and they don't again then have to furlough them come March thirty first. Yeah, no, that'll be good. I mean, I don't know if all of them will come back, just like you said, but maybe that that's the right number then, you know, most of them will come back and they can be prepped for the spring and then we can be forward looking. All right, let's jump into uh, other news. As the COVID-19 vaccine continues to get distributed around the world, airlines begin to look ahead to the beginning of a recovery in the new year. However, this doesn't come without additional headaches. Reuters is reporting that airlines have been warned about safety as jets return from pandemic storage. Regulators, insurers, and experts are warning airlines to take extra care when returning planes from extended storage. Um, There's possible pilot rustiness, maintenance errors, insect nests. At one point, two-thirds of the global fleet was grounded, Doug. And there's an uptick. This is interesting. There's an uptick in unstabilized approaches this year, according to IATA. Airbus says the largest category of fatal accidents is traced to the approach portion of the flight. I think a lot of people think you just start up the engines and taxi the plane out of Victorville and you're good to go. There's a process to get a plane back in service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now as pilots have to become recurrent and what's that like, Doug? Yeah, it, it it really just depends on how long you've been out of the airplane. So there, there are certain programs that you, that the airlines will, will put the pilots through that are only a day or two long to get you recurrent but if you if you've been out for longer than than that minimum time then you might have to go through a, a formal training program again which could be several weeks with with the pilots out of the planes for that long too as Iada talked about that it, it could lead to pilot errors because it's it's very much a perishable skill and if you if you don't fly a lot or you haven't flown for a while, it takes a while to get back to to getting used to it. Think right. about think about something. Any of the listeners think about something that you either do in your job or that that you're really good at. Let's say you go on vacation and then you come back 
And it's almost like having to relearn how, how to do that and get back into the rhythm. Well, Doug, and not only that, with all these layoffs, some pilots are coming back. They're going to be coming back to another fleet. Another so, fleet, well, yeah. One of my friends is going to be coming back from being a 767 pilot to being a 737 pilot. Yeah, a lot that's, of that's almost better, though, than, than taking an extended amount of time and then coming back to the plane that you were in. Because those mm -hmm. the retraining, that's a much mm -hmm. longer program. So they're they're in the sims oh, a lot okay. longer. They have to do the the checkout on the line, flying the airplane with a line check airman with them. So that that almost is is better, I, I would say. I've yeah. gone non I've gone non-current before. It's not the end of the world. You just have to fly for us, we have to fly with an instructor. Even though I am an instructor, if I go non-current, there are certain things that I can do in the sim. But then there are certain things I have to do in the airplane before mm -hmm. I'm fully recurrent. So there's there's a mix between the sim and, and the airplane. So this isn't a quick process. And like you talked about with the with the airplanes, every week or so they have to move the plane a couple inches so that the tires don't get mm -hmm. square. <laughs> yeah. They have to they have to turn just imagining the, a square tire. <laughs> it's it's not easy to taxi a plane that's that's so do you sitting. you've rolled an almost square tire and you felt it uh, you and, feel you know, it if i was yeah. a pilot i would stop right there but you just kept going knowing that it would smooth out it, it'll smooth out after a while yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah they, they've been running the engines they've, they've been warming the airplanes up because there's this whole process that that they have to do otherwise the airplanes are just not going to do what they're supposed to airplanes were not built to sit airplanes don't like to sit it's like your car, you yeah. know, you, you have to, if you have a car that's in storage or parked in the garage, you mm -hmm. have to turn it on every couple of weeks, get the fluids moving, exactly. get, get it, get it going because, uh, you know, maintenance issues pop up the longer that airplane has been sitting like that. Yeah. You know, they reading into this, they also say sometimes they'll remove the avionics equipment out of the cockpits mm -hmm. just because just to avoid against corrosion. Um, if they're parked in Victorville or, Pima, Arizona, mm -hmm. they'll probably be okay. But once those spots run out, you may have to park it someplace with more moisture. Yeah. And this thing, you know, the insect nest, apparently that's a huge issue. It is. Yeah. Even when it's taped, even though when those pito tubes are taped, mm -hmm. there's insect nests getting in there somehow. And for those of you listening, the pito tube, that is critical. That will tell you how fast the plane is flying. It controls some of the instruments that, you know, that's the sensor for the instruments. Mm -hmm. So that's a big issue. They got to check. There was something else. Um, you talked about the tires. They got to run the engines to make sure all the fluids are going through. There's these planes are taped all over. Just yeah, that yeah. alone probably takes a whole day. I'm sure this is happening on a bunch of 737 Maxes right now, Doug. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Well, and, and that's that's kind of the crux of this too. Is everyone expected when the Max came back that there would there would be this maintenance that they would have to do on it? No one expected that at one point during the grounding, two thirds of the entire global fleet would be grounded with the 737 MAX. Yeah. So it's it's not just the the legwork to get the MAX up in the air. Now mm -hmm. all of the MAX's friends that want to go flying, <laughs> that, that want to go flying again, <laughs> they have to go through the same process. Basically. The MAX's friends? Are you talking about this, the I'm talking about the, versions? The, the other airplanes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I got to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm not one to get excited about a 737, but I'm actually getting excited about the Max. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. It's, it looks pretty sporty. It sits higher. The engines yeah. are almost round. It looks kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, this is, 
it's lower standards that we have for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'll tell you something else. I've, I've already talked to Doug about this. So in 2020, I was on a delivery flight for a 787. All right. That was the start of 2020. It was awesome. In 2021, I'm hoping to be on the relaunch of a 737 Max for my company. <laughs> yep. I've lowered my standards. <laughs> yeah, you went from a, a brand new 787 uh, to, hey, the, the Max is back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah, no, I, I think we should I think we should move on. So we, we've talked a lot on the podcast in previous episodes about how important business travel is to airlines. Marketplace asked the question this week, will business travel return to normal after the pandemic? Experts are saying that Zoom could replace up to 50% of, of business travel. Most people are saying it's about 25%. Bill Gates and some other CEOs are saying it'll be closer to 50%. Why does this matter for, for those of you who hear this and, and you're not entirely sure? 10% of airline traffic is business travel. 90% is leisure or people visiting friends and relatives. Up to three quarters of that revenue, about one half to three quarters of an airline's revenue comes from that 10% of travelers. So I did a little math on this. Best case scenario, if it's a 25% drop in business travel and those business travelers are only one half of the revenue, that mm-hmm. is a permanent drop of about 10 to 15% revenue. Worst case scenario, okay. if it's the three quarters of revenues come from that 10% of passengers and there's a 50% drop, we're, we could be looking at 40% of airline revenue permanently mm-hmm. gone. So that yeah. that's why this is really important. But in this article, they interviewed several uh, leaders of, of companies and managers and one of them said, our, our best business is done face-to-face and we want to get out to go build those relationships. Yep. So this is interesting. So in this article, they're saying 10% of airline traffic is business traffic, but three up to three quarters of the revenue comes from that 10%. So this is the number that I've heard working at the airlines my whole life, that we get 80% of our revenue from 20% of our customers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, that that's similar to what that is. So 80% of our revenue comes from you, Doug. It yep. comes from the business travelers. And then when you're traveling for leisure, you stay with that airline. So that is really, that makes sense that 80% of our revenue comes from a few people that always fly on a certain carrier. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully well, they'll and, be back. And we, we've talked about this. I, I've talked about how I've been doing a lot of business trips this year, even mm-hmm. with the pandemic. And I, yeah, I thank you. The, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> um, the, the trip that I just got back from last night was my last flights of the year. And so I just mm-hmm. tabulated my, my yearly total. I had 37 flights this year. 30 of those were for business. Even during a pandemic. Even during a pandemic. Yeah. Now, so, how, it, how much would you normally do during in 2019? Well, so 20, I, 2019 was a, a record shattered the record for me. It was 59 flights, which oh, was wow. yeah, which was crazy, and that was it was about th- two thirds business, I would say. So, looking back at 2018, it was 23 flights, and uh, less than half was for business. Mm-hmm. So th- this year, this year was was kind of a little bit different, but I, I'm also in yeah, a different job. A I, I'm in a different job than I was, but but still, I don't know. I, I'm still a big believer that business travel is not dead the way that people say it is. 
Now you've been traveling this year with the reduced traffic, right? Would you say that the quality of the service that you saw improved in terms of the customer service on board? Oh, abso- on board? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there, there were a few times where I felt like I, I kind of, I, I hate to say pulling teeth to get the flight attendants to yeah. to offer any sort of service, but I I get it to some degree too because even between us, between our friends, between people that we know, some people are more comfortable traveling mm-hmm. right now than others. And and yeah. I have to imagine the same goes for the airline employees. For the crews, yeah. For right. the crews. And, and some the, the crews who offer the great service, always offering drinks, et cetera, those are probably people who are a little bit more comfortable interacting with passengers, knowing they could possibly have the virus. Whereas the crews who don't necessarily do that, I don't think that it's malicious in intent. <laughs> Uh, saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm just not going to serve these people. I, I kind of look at it like I'm cutting them some slack. But aside, aside from that, the differences between crews, mm-hmm. absolutely. I feel like the customer service has drastically improved o- over okay. the last nine months. So that leads us to our next story. Uh, Forbes is reporting that several U.S. airlines have improved their customer satisfaction scores during the pandemic. Now, before I get to these facts, I have noticed that too. And I think it, it, in a weird way, when every, the flight attendants are wearing a mask, they're now making better eye contact. I don't know oh, if absolutely. you noticed that, right? Yeah, definitely. And eye contact is so important because that, you know, they're more perceptive of customers' need. And I think that's accentuated that because that's how you can express yourself with your eyes. Delta, Southwest, and United ha- have improved their quality of service during the pandemic. This data comes from the American Customer Satisfaction Index. Southwest is up 1.280 in that index. Delta's up to 79 and United's up uh, 1.76. Interestingly, business travelers complained at a much higher rate than leisure. This is not a shock to me. Yeah. (laughs) Business travelers complained at a much higher rate than leisure travelers, despite a 90% drop in business traffic. I'm not a business traveler. You are a business traveler, but I think we're both very critical of the airlines because we want them to improve. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the quality of service is going up because there's more people and less customers, right? So, of course, every customer is now getting more attention because that ratio of flight attendant to customer is higher. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think, too, that because of how quickly the pandemic came on and how much the airlines struggled to really grasp it in February, March, and April, I know there were a lot of complaints back then. And, and I, I think that the airlines were behind in in the most part in trying to catch up with refunds with positive passenger policies i guess i would call it like the no change fees blocking middle seats for a while you name it 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 took a little while to get there but i feel like now i i personally think this is going to be a permanent change this increase in in positive passenger policies and great customer service because when people do want to get out and start flying again Mm-hmm. airlines who have had negative press about them this year it's really I, I really feel like it's going to weigh on people and when they finally right. feel comfortable yeah. to fly again they're going to say which airline treated those who were flying during the pandemic best because I yeah, I cool. we, we always say people pay with their wallets and there are those people who will pay whatever the cheapest fare is but, but that's I, the one-time traveler. That's the traveler that flies once a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but I, I I really do think that this is a permanent shift towards the customer. 
Well, the other thing that I is going to be that I hope will be permanent is the better cleaning on aircraft turns. Mm-hmm. So on overnight tur- turns, right? A plane comes in overnight, it gets a deep cleaning. You know, you get all the tray tables cleaned, you get everything wiped down, sidewalls and everything. We're doing that now on every turn. And it really doesn't take that much longer if you're efficient and you have a process. So I hope that that stays when when COVID goes away because it's really making a difference and it really improves the quality of your flight when you're on a you know a clean plane and you can smell that it's someone's just been through it. Yeah, I, I can't see it going away because there are going to be pandemics again, regardless of the vaccine. I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's going to be COVID. There's yeah. going to be another pandemic, probably not on this level, but the the flu of what, 2008, 2009, that was a pandemic and, and people mm-hmm. still flew. People didn't really pay terribly, you know, too much attention to it. But the amount of cleaning that's being done right now is in the future, I feel like going to mitigate possible future pandemics, possible future spreading of disease, spreading of of whatever. And the airlines were hurt so bad this year by this pandemic. They don't ever want anything like this again. And so a lot of these policies like the no change fees, that's one of the reasons why I don't think the change fees will will be coming back. Because it used to be, oh, I have the flu, I have the Mm. cold, a cold. I, I don't want to fly. I want to change my ticket. And the airline would tell you, well, sorry, you bought the cheapest ticket that you, you, you're you going to have to pay a $200 change fee or cancellation fee. I think the change but, fees are coming back. I, I don't think so because <laughs> be, I, it's, a, it's a negative incentive. I, well, then, I get but no, but it's a negative. Okay. But it's, it's a negative incentive to buy the full fare economy. That's completely changeable. So you're buying the cheapest ticket and you're getting the luxuries of being able to have that flexibility. So then they're going to have to lower the price of the full fare economy because right now the full fare economy is so much more expensive. A full fare economy ticket for mm-hmm. the most part is more expensive than a non-full fare first class ticket. That's There's no way a basic economy ticket is going to stay non well completely changeable. Some, um, air- also- some airlines have not have not waived the change fee for a basic economy though. Okay. It's only for, for main cabin or, or okay. regular economy that makes sense. above. Yeah. So I, I could see basic economy still having change fees, but I, I think we, we should, we should talk about this in a future. Episode. Yeah. Well, I mean this, the thing that I compare this to is like a ticket to a baseball game. You don't show up, you're done right on an airplane. You're going to reserve a seat. And if you don't show up, you can use it again. I, it, that doesn't make sense. True, so but but will baseball, will football, will all those adapt as well? Just because the, the the people's minds now are so focused on that social responsibility of I'm sick, mm-hmm. I don't want to get someone else sick. Whereas uh, when, when you don't have that re- that refund available, yeah. and it's it's not a cash refund, it is a refund saying you can use this ticket later within mm-hmm. a, a set amount of time. Personally, I, I just feel like it it has disincentivized people to still continue to go to these things, even when yeah. they're sick, because they're like, well, I'm not getting any relief on this. Right. Okay. So what you're saying is they'll have this so people are more, more inclined to buy yeah. a ticket and not scared. Oh, if I don't, if I buy it, I can't get a refund. Exactly. I can't change. Okay, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and look at it like this too. So for for the US listeners, my wife and I make fun of my in-laws all the time because they love Kohl's cash. And Kohl's is a mm-hmm. depart- yeah. department yeah, yeah. store in the US. Yeah. It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme. You, you <laughs> buy a $20 sweater at Kohl's and they give you a $5 Kohl's cash. 
that's only good for next week. And it's like basically $5 in your pocket, <laughs> but it's got like a six day time period oh, that you yeah. can use it. So what, what does that do? That incentivizes those people to show up at the store the following mm-hmm. week, use that $5. Oh yeah. They got and, me. And then I'm like, I can get some socks next yeah, week. And then, and then you you're going to buy, you're going to buy something that you weren't planning on anyways. And so I feel like the, the refundability or getting these credits, if you cancel a flight, that's then going to draw you back to that same airline because you're like, Hey, I have $150 credit. Mm-hmm. The flight that I want to take is 400. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that 400 is more expensive than the other airline, I already have the credit on this one. So I'm going to use that. <laughs> All right. We should write these down so we can come back in, let's say November of 2021 and see if all these tickets are changeable. Yeah, no, that that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, do we want to go across the ocean to Japan? Let's do it. All right, well, speaking of passenger satisfaction, this one might lead to some complaints, possibly. <laughs> CNN reports that JAL is suggesting passengers skip meals to reduce food waste. Now, before you complain, I'm going to say this actually makes a little bit of sense. So well, let's it does, but not to me. <laughs> okay, so let, let's let's Go give on. the facts. Right. Let's give the facts, and then we'll discuss it. Jal is asking passengers to make what they're calling an ethical choice. It claims that this isn't due to cost cutting, but what they're going to do is they're going to give passengers on short overnight flights the option to opt out of food ahead of the flight. So, for example. A five and a half hour red eye from Tokyo to Bangkok, mm-hmm. passengers on that flight can skip the meal ahead of time if yeah. they don't plan to eat. Jell is also moving to using iPads for menus instead of printing them out again for the ethical choice. Well, so you know I'm laughing, right? <laughs> Why is that? Because the Japanese are so much better than we are. <laughs> yeah. Because if I, even if I'm not hungry, I'm thinking I've paid my $500. I don't even care. Bring me the whole thing. I may like eat the salad and throw the rest away. I mean, it's so horrible, but I would never say, Hey, don't bring it to me. I'd at least want to maybe, maybe I'll be hungry. I don't know. Even, yeah, even if I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- this is, this is smart to me. I, I understand this because I I've had short overnight red eyes that I have. Have you ever turned down a meal though? I, I have not purposely turned it down, but I've been on a short red eye where I fell asleep slept through the food service and I woke up when we were on descent. It, you it wasn't still, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have told him, Hey, I don't want anything. If, if I had been awake, I probably would have had it. And, and that's where, that's where I waver. <laughs> that, that's where I waver because it, it makes, it makes sense to me that if you think you're going to sleep, but what if you don't? And then the food starts coming around. So even if I was like, I think I'm going to sleep, I probably wouldn't opt out because I yeah. still would want to have that choice. <laughs> exactly see if this would never work in this country or many other countries they're just more advanced and so they're conscious hey i'm probably not going to be hungry why waste most of this food but being americans we're like wait a minute no if someone else is getting i i want it you know just to see but maybe you know if, for those of you that are listening comment on this episode and maybe you agree with that but i think <clears> we're I, Drew, I think you and i are different though because we even though the food might not be great, we still enjoy that getting food on the plane. We enjoy picking it apart, talking about what it tastes like. So I, I think you and I are different. I think a lot of people who get meals on the planes roll their eyes and they say, well, I just had a steak at the airport. Right. What is this slop that you're putting in front of me? Well, So for the civilians listening, a turkey sandwich on an airplane is like haute cuisine for us because it's served <laughs> on an airplane, right? <laughs> Whatever yeah. it is. And 
I remember I was flying uh, Lufthansa in economy with a friend. I was I wasn't really hungry, but they had a whole spread of sandwiches in the galley. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then she's told me, it's like, you're only saying that because it's a sandwich on an airplane. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so true. I wouldn't say that if I had to get it at the grocery store. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I would be I would be like, bring it on. Maybe I'll eat it. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Only in Japan. Well, I teased this week's ops topic at the top of the show. Drew, you had a little winter weather at the hub, didn't you? (laughs) You know, wouldn't you know that the day of the storm was my best day of the week this week? Yeah, and well, it's because <laughs> well, I, we'll, we'll get into that. So I, I, I think that we jinxed ourselves because we talked about the de-icing and, and the winter ops a couple of episodes ago. And you yes. said, here's to hoping that th- this winter is is better. We're going to revisit this topic again, but it's going to be from a different angle this week. And that is mainly the cleanup that's required in the days following. So like you said, okay. your the day of the snow was... Mm-hmm was your easiest oh, easiest day it was because we had a reduced schedule we had um we were down to about 20 flights all mainline and you have a de-ice crew that's like raring to go because they're trained they're ready they love it it was light snow so we had the 737s go out first they had two parts and we talked about this on a previous episode they had type one to remove the snow and then type four which is a protectant i guess you would say because it's still snowing a little bit yeah 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 so you know how quickly we did those do you want to guess 737 15 minutes 10 minutes 10 minutes yeah and then we had the 787s going international roll up right after that it was only a one-step process because by then i believe it was light rain Mm -hmm. 15 minutes on a 787 oh yeah i've never seen that wow so it was awesome. It was a great day. I'm like, oh, our first snow event. And this thing is moving like, you know, it's it's working like a charm. Because the first day of the storm is the most difficult because you're starting up the equipment for the first time. Some of these people have just been trained. You, you don't know if the glycol is going to come out of the spigots at the, you know, the tank. So everything mm-hmm. went well. So that was great. You were talking about the cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> the cleanup is bad. So the next day we had a refreeze. So all this stuff falls and it freezes, you know, and we do our best to, we, it's, it's a form of ice melt. It's knock N-A-A-C. I don't know what it stands for, but it's what we put on the ground to melt the snow. But when it's already ice, you put that stuff on, it doesn't work. It only works when it's rain or when it's wet and then it prevents it from freezing over. So we had basically a skating rink at uh, the A terminal which is where the express carriers are. So that took some time to uh, chip away the next morning, but we had a reduced schedule. So we worked around it. Yeah. But I, more from the cleanup, I, I was meaning trying to get the passengers who had had cancellations to, Oh, their, that's their what de- you- <laughs> to, to their destinations. And oh yeah, I know that so cleanup I, was worse though. That, yeah. That was, yeah, that was I was dealing with. The next I, I, I can tell you that because I was flying to the, the East coast and we knew that the storm was coming Monday or Tuesday is when the, the warnings started to come out. And my boss asked me if I wanted to delay for a day. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. I've flown on the East Coast a lot. And I, I always know that the day after is actually mm-hmm. worse to travel than, than the day of. Yeah. And because I was coming from Atlanta where there was no snow, I uh-huh. figured that I had a pretty decent chance of getting into Philly, even if it was delayed. And so I said, no, I want to go on the day of the storm. Because if, I, if we go the next day, 
then I might get to Atlanta and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be bumped out the flight or the flight might be canceled because mm-hmm. the plane didn't get in from where it was supposed to come from. And I, I had very few issues getting into Philly on Wednesday, yeah. but the schedules on Thursday were almost even worse after the snow had already passed because crews weren't where they were supposed to be. Airplanes mm-hmm. weren't where they were supposed to be. And the flights were, were probably pretty full, e- even in, in COVID and in the reduced times. Well, actually for us, it was different because we oh, really schedule so much for that Wednesday yeah. that the next day, everything was prepped to get back to mm. business mm-hmm. other than that, the ice on those gates. So uh, it actually went very well, but the airline that you flew Delta actually ran a fuller schedule because yeah. you said you flew into Philadelphia at what time? Got in about 630. 630 and there were two other flights after that yeah two other flights after from atlanta Yeah, so we were yeah at seven o'clock we were mostly done on the east coast Mm -hmm. yeah and when we landed in philly we actually had to wait for an hour because it was it was still very heavy snow and the taxiways weren't cleared yet the runway was so we we cleared the runway and then we had to sit basically just at the end of the runway waiting for the airfield ops to come out and plow the taxiway so that we could taxi into the gate so that was interesting to see and i yeah, I, that, that runway looked very cluttered it was yeah it was it was pretty heavy snow i would say probably six or seven inches of snow on the ground that hadn't been plowed yet right off the runway how was the braking action could you tell it didn't seem bad no and and runways they focus so much on the runways because you you saw what happened with that Spirit flight mm-hmm. the next day Baltimore. in Baltimore that went off the side of the runway. Everyone was fine. The airplane was was okay, but that that kind of stuff happens, and that's why the the runway is the most important part because that's when you're at your fastest speed. And when right. you clear the runway, then you can taxi a lot slower. But when when you're coming in 140 knots, which is 160 ish miles an hour, you yeah. want to make sure that you have perfect or as close to perfect conditions as you can get just just because of the the sheer speed yeah i don't know if i believe your story about getting there earlier because um i told you several times don't come to the east coast don't come to the east coast (laughs) yeah so i mean i don't know my feeling was doug wanted to get stuck in atlanta (laughs) and get that hotel room that's overlooking the runway so you can spot all day no, because I, I knew it was going to be rainy there. My feeling was I knew that I was already stressed about what I had to do on Thursday and Friday for work, that if I got in a day later, then I would probably get home a day later with the holidays coming up and, and all that. So I was like, I just want to. It, well, it, and you've lived on the East Coast for a long time. I lived on the East Coast for six years. How many times have they called for the storm of the century? And then you get flurries, you get nothing. And so I, I didn't I didn't want to delay as well knowing that there is a chance that it could have been a non-event which it it wasn't i mean it was it definitely was a major storm but it easily could have not been a major storm yeah so that that was kind of my thought well yeah so we got three inches in dc i think philadelphia got six yeah they got six six to eight yeah yeah, you guys, you guys that live in sunnier or warmer areas, this is so much work. When when I was a kid living in California and watched Airport 1970, which is my favorite <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah. and watching one 707 with a problem getting de-iced or getting stuck in the snow, I'm like, oh my God, how do they deal with that? And now I'm dealing with 80 flights. Yeah, But, you know, we have our processes. It goes very safely and smoothly. 
sometimes we take delays and I think the customers understand. Yeah. I, I, I want to bring that up, the delay piece. So you, you said you only had 20 flights on Wednesday. We had 20 flights, yeah. Out of what, normally 100 plus normally, right now? So on the five o'clock bank, we'd have uh, 80 to 90 flights. Yeah. So we only had 20. So I, I know that people get upset when their flights get canceled and, and things like that, but understand they're doing this mainly out of safety. Again, partially it's to get the, the crews and the planes where they need to be when they need to yep. be there, but a lot of it is out of safety. They would not purposely go out of the way to do something dumb or dangerous to to put you in harm's way. And I've had that before with the, the KC-10 where we're in Europe trying to come back to the U.S., there was a giant snowstorm that was hitting the East coast and, and we delayed for 24 hours. Yeah. Of, of course we were in Spain. So that made it easy <laughs> to stop easier to stomach, but, but it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, it was, it was because if we had pressed ahead, we, the, all the airports would have been closed. We would have had to divert somewhere farther away. And, and it's just, we, we do it. The airlines do it out of an abundance of caution for, for, safety and for the passengers and uh you, you know you, you don't want to end up off the runway having to egress from the airplane out into the snow and it's just it's a bad situation yeah and you know with three inches of snow is a lot you guys so if you're trying to trying to run a full operation with 80 flights with three inches of snow and 100 percent de-icing it is going to be a mess and there's going to be a lot of delays a lot of people are going to miss their connections etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's almost better to reduce the operation and then start fresh the next day with a full schedule. Mm -hmm. So that way people don't even come into the hub. So the arrivals were canceled. So it wasn't like we were bringing people in with no flights to take Connect them out. To. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens during the winter. Um, we're not going to be, you know, on the East coast, we were lucky last year. We hardly had any snow. So most of our snow comes in January and February. So we'll see what happens, Doug. Yeah, yeah. But we're ready. I'm hoping for the best for you, especially because I'm gonna have to be out there a couple times in January and February. So watch, we're we're jinxing <laughs> ourselves now. But my next couple trips to the East Coast is probably gonna be the same thing. You're gonna text me and say, "Doug, don't come, don't come," <laughs> and I'll be like, "Yeah, but no, when you, I'm still going." Yeah, but <laughs> I'm working on the East Coast. You're coming here for some training, and you're sending me pictures like, "Look, it looks like a Hallmark card." <laughs> That's great. Well, we're digging planes out of the Hallmark car to the airport. <laughs> All right. I, with that, I think it's it's time to move on. Well, everyone, we really value your feedback. We'd love to hear from our listeners. And Drew, I think we just got some recent reviews, didn't we? We did. And they're both similar, but they're really good. So thank you, you guys. So um, this is Ellie the dog. She uh, That's her name. She's in uh, the U.S. She said, really enjoyed this podcast informative and well presented added it to my must my list of must listen podcasts so thank you ellie uh the second one is from jay debris uh, also in the united states um he or she said the hosts do a great job of breaking down the current news within the industry uh, you know for those of you that's put uh give us reviews thank you so much because we really take them to heart we read them and then we make our show better and we really ap appreciate the feedback yeah, so let us know if there's anything that you guys like, anything you don't like, and we we try to focus on what the listeners like, like the ops topics. We've we've really tried to do that every week because we know that the listeners like hearing us talk about our jobs, and we like yeah. talking about our jobs. Yeah, we do. We'll talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, we know the coming weeks are probably busy for everyone with Christmas and New Year's quickly approaching. 
We hope you have a stress-free holiday season. We're going to continue recording and releasing on schedule. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go to our new website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it and you can give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you guys next week after the first part of the holidays. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime... Stay aviation tough, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and see you next week. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. True, I think we just got some recent reviews, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> you don't have it on here. I didn't put it in there. <laughs> no, I did. They were in you there. You did? Yeah. Did you take it out? I must have accidentally deleted it. <laughs> I have them here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's. Oh, you know what? Poppy was in here recording some things earlier and uh, this was up. So I think she deleted it on accident. <laughs> She's okay. Um, all right. Did you want to lay, lay it up again? Yeah. You like that? I, I blame my five-year-old. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. the, it's like the dog, uh-huh. ate, the, the dog ate my homework. Yeah. She only deleted that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>